This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. One of our favorite places in the whole world to fly fish is Yellowstone National Park. We recently ran a couple of blog posts on fishing its waters and its various seasons. The positive response made us realize that we needed to talk a little bit more about it. So today we're going to answer the top seven questions we get asked about fly fishing in Yellowstone. And I don't think that's a result of some scientific survey, but (laughs) it seems like these are the ones that keep popping up. So uh, here we go. Everything that you wanted to know about fly fishing in Yellowstone National Park, and then some. The first is, how do I get there? And we can all look at a map, but where do we fly into is one of the most important questions related to that. And so Steve and I often fly into Bozeman, Montana. So that's really the closest airport, but it's also perhaps the priciest airport. It's about 90 miles from West Yellowstone. How far is it from the north entrance uh, at Gardner? Uh, You know, maybe it'd be the same. It's not that much farther. It'd be about the, right, would be about the same. It may take a little longer to go from Bozeman to the north entrance, I believe, don't you think? Maybe. Actually, maybe it would be quicker, because now that I think of it, I mean, Bozeman, well, the airport's actually in between Bozeman and Belgrade, and so it's probably about 30 miles to Livingston, and then from Livingston, I think it's about 52 to Gardner, so yeah, it's still 80, 82 miles or so. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, not that that bad. Yeah, we've also priced uh, flying into Helena, into Billings, and sometimes it's significantly cheaper. I think you have to look then at car rentals as well, and I, I think they're I think they're cheaper in Billings and Helena, but... Uh, Bozeman has just gotten much more expensive to fly yeah, into, both and, on the car rental side and the and the flights. I know, and there's more airlines going in there than ever, more flights, but they're, they're still pricey. I noticed yeah. when we checked out going into Helena instead of Bozeman, I don't know, when was that? Was it last fall or was it after last fall? It yeah. was probably 150 bucks cheaper yeah, to go into it Helena. Was. It really was. Now, it's a bit farther, right? So right. you have to uh, uh, yep. factor all that in. You but do. How far is Helena from Bozeman? Uh, about 90 miles. <laughs> Everything's 90 yeah, miles. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, and then another 90 to the park. Although, if I was coming from Helena, I'd probably go down through maybe through Ennis, down that way. There, there's some options, but, you know, another option to consider as well is uh, flying into Salt Lake City. I mean, that's usually a lot cheaper, and it's five hours from Salt Lake City Airport to uh, West Yellowstone. In fact, right to the Blue Ribbon Fly Shop. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I did that the other day on, on Google Maps, so five hours. And you actually get some beautiful country once you get up to uh, Idaho Falls and go up over the kind of over the pass to uh, down to West Yellowstone. It really is a pretty drive, so that, that's an option as well. Dave, Dave how about if you're uh, driving, uh, say on Interstate 90? So if you're depends on where you're coming from. If you're Which, coming, by the way, is I should have said it's, it's to the north. Uh, Interstate 90 is running north of. 
of, of Yellowstone, but that's going to be a major artery for yeah, a lot of the people. Yeah, east-west, yeah, and then yeah. it goes north at the other end of Montana into right. uh, Idaho and, and, and Washington. But if you're driving on I-90, then you'd go south at either Livingston, Montana, and that valley is called Paradise Valley. That's where you used to live. Mm-hmm. So from Livingston to the north entrance of Yellowstone National Park at Gardner, um, there's Gardner, the town, and there's also the Gardner River, which... right. You, they're not spelled the same. Yeah, that's right. That's a little bizarre. Yeah, I think it, the town got a mistakenly got an extra I yeah. in the, the spelling. So, so it's, anyway, yeah. or if you're going to Bozeman, then it's 90 miles south on west to West Yellowstone on 191. Is that correct? Right. Yep. Very yep. good. Good memory. So yeah, those are those are really good ways to get uh, to Yellowstone if you're kind of coming at it from the north. If you're coming from the south, then if for whatever reason, maybe you're on Interstate 80, and then you you make your way up uh, north, and, and you're coming to the park, you know, from the south to the north, and so you come to the south entrance. Wow, that's a lot of directions. <laughs> uh, anyway, you would drive through Teton National Park, and then the the John D. Rockefeller Memorial Parkway, and come in uh, the south entrance. So all you have to do is look at a map. But I, I do think it's helpful to say, hey, you can. There, there are airports you can fly into. Uh, you can fly, I'm sure you can fly into Jackson. That's probably a, a king's ransom as well. Yeah, no uh, kidding. To fly there, but but a lot of good options. Whether you're driving or you're you're flying, uh, you know, look at a map. But those are some good places to remember. I, I do think it's important when you think about a fly fishing trip to to the west. Budget is always an issue. Yeah, it is. And if you're not going there during a family mm-hmm. vacation, now that's a whole other expense, but you're mm-hmm. going there just to fly fish, you're looking to do it on the cheap. Yep. So if you want to drive a little bit farther, drop into Helena or Billings, yep. and uh, there's different ways to, there are. to oh, make it work. Oh, and I forgot. What about what about from the east? If somebody's coming from the east, um, and, and for whatever reason you're, you're off, uh, Interstate 80 runs you know, parallel from east to west on the south, you know, way south of the park, Interstate 90 is a ways north. But if for some reason you happen to be in Wyoming and you want to get at the east entrance. Well, you go to Cody and then through yeah. Cook City, right? Yeah, either one. Cody, uh, you can go from Cody and head into the park. I think it's just a few miles. The east entrance. The east there. entrance. Was that where we were ran into those bison that one year? Was, ah. was that Cody or were we in Cook City? You know, I think we were in, we were in Cook City. But yeah, f- no, 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 we were in... Uh, yeah, we are in Cook City. But you're right. From Cody, you can drive up to Cook City, which is at the northeast entrance. And that's a... That's a gorgeous drive. It really is a gorgeous oh my gosh. drive. Yeah. That's right. Well, that brings us to another one of those uh, travel issues that also involves money. And that's, where can I stay? So, well, the first... I mean, obviously, with Airbnb today, things have really changed. I remember yeah. uh, I had a client out in Wyoming a couple years ago... I needed to get to Laramie, Wyoming, and I was looking for creative places to stay. I didn't want to stay in a hotel. So I went on to Airbnb, and there were people selling uh, a night's stay in their tent in their backyard for $40 per night. No kidding. Yeah. So I don't think there were any wow. shower facilities, but if you wanted a really cheap stay, you could stay in their tent in the backyard. Oh, that's hilarious. So I said no. Yeah. So, uh, But where you can stay, there's just a ton of places, both Gardner and West Yellowstone. Uh, both are right on the Yellowstone National Park border. Yeah. I mean, both... liter- literally, you can, you can walk into the park. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, 
Not that we'd recommend doing that, but... Uh, West Yellowstone yeah, is yeah. a bit more touristy. It I is. Think. That's a good point. It, or isn't it? Excuse me. Yeah. And if, if you're going there with a the family, I mean, they've got... Uh, the, the Playmill Theater is great. We used to go with our family there. Uh, they, they've got the Grizzly Discovery Center. There's a, an IMAX where you can see... Uh, there's a McDonald's there. Yeah, there's a... <laughs> yeah, sorry, there's a McDonald's. Oh, but it does. It, it has a little bit more stuff, a few more shops. But Gardner seems to have more in recent years, doesn't it? Yeah, That's, it really does. I think between the two, definitely Gardner's still more rustic. It is. It, it it's is. a still. It's more local Montana-ish than mm-hmm. is uh, yep. Yellowstone National, or excuse me, West Yellowstone. I love both little mm-hmm. towns, but yep. Gardner still has. I still remember us staying at that hotel, and. We walk in and the sign to the door, it's like 9 p.m. It's dark. It's in the middle of October. And it says, beware, a, a grizzly has been recently seen sauntering through the parking lot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's remember right. That? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Like, mm, well. <laughs> Great. We're going to have to use our bear spray in the <laughs> lobby the of the Super the- 8 <laughs> Hotel. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, outside the park, uh, those, are, those are probably good options, good accommodations. Uh, you can you can stay inside the park, uh, ka-ching, ka-ching. Um, yeah. You know, hotel cabins at uh, Old Faithful, Grant Village, Canyon, Mammoth. There's several places. Uh, you can camp, too. At Mammoth. That, there's always people camp there. Oh, yeah, Mammoth. You can camp at Madison Junction. But uh, you, you probably have to book that a year in advance, don't you think? Depending on when it is. Yeah, if it's in the summer, like at Madison, for sure. And, and definitely yeah. Mammoth. That place is right. always packed. Oh, yeah, it yeah. is. And you, you have to have the gear, too. And, yeah, and the I would, camping gear. And I would think twice about camping in a tent. A lot of people do it, but uh, you may not sleep as well if you're thinking about grizzlies all night and and your hand on the trigger of your bear spray yeah that's right (laughs) i know i do think you know if you're thinking about a budget uh well everybody's thinking about a budget everybody has a budget but yeah could you stay like in timber like um what's that timber timber what's oh yeah yeah big timber timber. yeah i I, you you could if you if you Mm -hmm. go to if you decide to stay farther out in some yeah. of these smaller towns obviously it's cheaper yeah. you just have a, a right. longer ride and right? yet even livingston which is 50 miles north i i looked there once for some friends that were coming through and good night in the summer it was you could hardly find a place and super eight was like 120 bucks so yeah yeah you, you do have to plan accommodations in advance now we'll we'll talk about a possible exception to that in a little bit but but we've talked about, uh, okay, so how do I get to Yellowstone? Uh, where can I stay? Uh, another uh, question is when. You know, when should I go to fly fish? The earliest you can fish in Yellowstone National Park is Memorial Day. And Steve and I have often fished in Montana uh, in spring, but we fished the Madison. And we've often gone last week of March, first mm-hmm. week of April, yep. second week of April before the rivers blow out. Some really, really great fly fishing. One, there's no crowds for starters. Two, it's really cold, which is why there are no crowds. And three, the rainbows are spawning. And I, we've had some of our best fishing ever on the Madison during probably the first couple weeks of April. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're going to fly fish and you want to fish in Yellowstone National Park, you, you know, again, the park only opens up on Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. So 
the fishing only opens up on Memorial Day. So, yeah, that's... It's a Saturday of Memorial yeah, Day Yeah, that's weekend. right. Saturday Memorial Day weekend. And then I think it goes through like the first Sunday in November. So it's a, it's a good long season, but you can't go there early spring. However, there's some waters that don't open up until June 15th or July 15th. Uh, most notably, the Yellowstone River uh, above the canyon area. So if you've seen photos of Upper Falls or Lower Falls, uh, up above that, uh, that section's not going to open up until a little bit later, uh, like July 15. So you have to keep that in mind as well. Now, mid-August or mid-July to August is, uh, is a great time. It's it's uh, great for terrestrials, it's great for hoppers, but uh, actually, Dave, what would you say is our favorite time of, of the year to uh, fish Yellowstone? We have really come, come to love the fall, both September and October. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we have fished both and done really well during both stretches, and it just depends on what you want to fish. In September, there are still some hoppers that are still around, and so you can get some good hopper action. Certainly in early September, you can get that. In October, the browns are running already, and we've had really great days yeah. on the Gardener. We've had great, oh, well, yeah. really on the Gardener's where we've had really great days. We've also had great days no, on the Yellow Creek, well. but also yeah. in Yellowstone, we're catching uh, cutthroat at that point. Mm -hmm. But really great. In fact, mm -hmm. this next year, we plan to go sometime in September, yeah. I think. I don't think yeah. we're going to go late this year again. Right. But... There's a couple huge advantages to going uh, in the fall, and, and the fishing's great, but even besides that, um, what would you say, Dave? One well, is... Yeah, first of all, the tourists are completely gone. Yeah, yeah, you have it to yourself. It, it, is, it still surprises me a bit. Um, even in, in September, you'll see cars uh, through the park, but it's so thin compared to what it normally is. Yeah. And then once you get into October, you're by yourself. I know. You're really that, by yourself. And that leads to a second advantage, and this goes back to what we talked about before. Uh, accommodations are usually cheaper. Yeah, that's just big. And they're even available. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've we've stayed a few times in Gardner. If we're if we're going into West Yellowstone, we're we have friends that live close enough to that. Close enough meaning about 75, 80 miles away, which is only 70 minutes or so in Montana. Yeah. So, yeah, think about think about fall in terms of accommodations. Uh, they're available. They're usually cheaper. Yeah, we fished. Well, when we've gone, we've gone in late July, early August. Remember that, yeah. Steve? We had snow and we stayed at Cook City. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that, that was, like, was. I think it was, was still July. I think it was July 31st or August 1st. It was amazing. It was you know really, what? really cold. It was, yeah. We and Yeah, remember the day before we had fished down in Wyoming in, in Thermopolis on the, the Wyoming, Wyoming Bighorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, I mean, it was warm. We didn't. We, we wet waited that day and then although we should not have that's, wet waited, that's true. Wet waited it, that it got day cooler it got really cold yep. later in the day so then we drive we wanted to go back up and fish the park the next day so we drove up stayed in cook city woke up and wow there's snow on the ground yeah it was it was so yeah. beautiful it was cold oh, but beautiful it really was uh, just just to put a fine point on this if you're going to yellowstone or to montana with your family and we've done podcasts on on the pluses and minuses of fishing with your family, then obviously you have to go in the summertime. That's, right. You know, and you just need to prepare in advance. And there's good fishing, but it's there's crowded, definitely you know. good fishing. Yes, for sure. But 
if you really want some of the best fishing, yeah. I think it's mm. early spring yeah. and it's September and October. Yep, that's for sure. Well, here's another question that people often ask uh, when they are thinking about fly fishing in Yellowstone, and that is, are there special requirements for licenses and tackle? Well, starting with licenses, uh, if you are an angler 16 years of age or older, you need to purchase uh, a Yellowstone National Park permit. And I just checked the other day just to see what it, what it is this year. It's a three-day permit for 18 bucks, seven-day permit for 25 or a season-long permit for 40 So that's now, and you, if you're listening to this podcast three years after uh, we issue it, because that's... What some of you like to do, it's what we do. We find something and then we serial listen to it and go back to, you know, the first season. Uh, yeah, maybe it'll be pricier, but that's but still that's not bad. A season-long permit for forty bucks, and you can get these licenses at fly shops outside the park as well as in the park at the visitor centers. I, I think maybe at backcountry offices. I never think to stop there. Or the I, Yellowstone General Stores. I don't think you could get it, though, as you're driving into the park. Right. Yeah, you can't at those, uh, at the, you know, the entrance booths where you have to buy your park permit just to be there. That's, that's another expense. Uh, but, yeah, you can't get a fishing license there. You, you'd have to go on into, a, yeah, to one of the visitor center, one of the stores. So keep that in mind. Well, here's another thing. You do not, and this is counterintuitive a little bit, you do not need a state permit, say Wyoming or Montana, to fly fish in Yellowstone National Park. So you can just have a, a permit from Yellowstone National Park if, if you're fishing there. Here's the problem with that. If you're fishing near the park's boundary, yeah. make sure you also have a state permit or else know exactly where the boundary is. And it's not that clear, no, especially around Baker's no. Hole. On the west, north, uh, just north of West Yellowstone, yep. uh, fishing the Madison. We've yeah. fished there many times, fishing for these Hebgen Lake Rainbow. Well, not many times. We've fished there several times. But the, the river meanders, and there's a moment in which you're in you know, Montana, and the next you're in Montana and the Yellowstone National Park. Well, you don't need a permit if you're in Yellowstone National Park, but if you're in Montana only, you need a permit, One year, state permit. Yeah, one year we were... Uh, we were camped there, and my dad, who who rarely fishes, uh, decided that he was going to take a spinning rod out and fish. And, and Baker's Hole is outside of West Yellowstone. It's in, it's in Montana. But what he didn't realize is that the park border is really close. So he comes back, and this is back in the day when, you know, people would keep fish to eat them. And he came back with uh, like four or five really nice big fish, and and. And a guy said, hey, you know, you, you realize, don't you, that you caught those in Yellowstone? <laughs> no, really? So, yeah. So, uh, by the way, if there's any, uh, any Yellowstone National Park officials listening, uh, my dad is uh, since deceased, honestly. So Can't chase that. Yeah, that, that's right. But, yeah, he, you know, he learned a lesson. Plus, it, it would have been artificial lures only. And I think it might have been flies, and he was using MEP spinners. So... Yeah, you, you do have to be careful if you're fishing near a border. Uh, another thing when it comes to tackle, barbless hooks only. Uh, that's important. So it doesn't mean that you have to go out and try to find uh, or, or even tie flies on barbless hooks. You can take needle-nose pliers 
uh, if you, you think of it. Problem is, sometimes I forget, but then I'll just use the hemostat or forceps, you know, that you use to take a hook out of a fish's mouth. Uh, those work, but really only for smaller hooks. Yeah. You, know, you, you can crimp a barb on a size 18 or 20 hook, but yeah, good luck on a big old streamer yeah, or a hopper it. pattern. Forget it, yeah. Yeah. So, and also the big thing, and we've mentioned this on other episodes in all national parks, it's can't wear felt sold wading boots. Right. And so there's a lot of reasons for that. The primary reason being that they, the, the officials think that they tend to carry organisms. So if the boots aren't dried out uh, well enough, if a fisher fishes, you know, in Yellowstone National Park, you know, the Yellowstone River on one day and then goes fish the Yellowstone on the next in the, in the park, he or she may carry invasive species from one water yeah, or like ecosystem Madison, to another. Yeah, Madison, what did I say? Oh, you said Yellowstone to Yellowstone. No, no, no. Which could be the case, though. If, yeah, say, yeah, you're yeah. up in Paradise Valley and maybe you're in a section where they've had some difficulty with, uh, you invasive know, with some species, microorganism yeah. there. Yeah then you, you could be in the Yellowstone in the park. And, and the idea is that felt traps that maybe better than, yeah, than, than something else. So And that's kind of debated, but we won't go into that issue today. The, yeah, but the fact is, fact, yeah. no felt soles. So, yeah. so you need different yeah. wading boots yep. if all you're using is yeah. felt soled uh, in your other fisheries. That's right. Well, here's the big question that everybody wants to know. What water should I fish? Where should I fish? And the answer is, well, uh, by Richard Park's book, uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but there are over 100 uh, streams, rivers, lakes that he mentioned. I think about that, Dave. In Yellowstone, there's more than 100 options, and, and that's, that's not even counting. You, you take a river like the Yellowstone, you know, and, and all the places you can fish along that, uh, there's a lot of water. So we're just going to hit, I don't know, maybe eight or ten. We're going to talk about them quickly. You'll have to do more research, but at least we want to give you some ideas where you might get started. Well, the first is obviously the Yellowstone River. This is the major river in the park. Perhaps the most popular stretch is the 13-mile stretch between Yellowstone Lake and the Upper Falls, especially in Hayden Valley. After the mighty Yellowstone emerges from the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone, it's Access is really difficult until yeah. you get to Tower Fall, yeah. and you can also access the river from the bridge near uh, Tower Junction, but the the terrain is just treacherous. Yeah, it is. It's even, almost up and down. Right, and even going in from Tower Fall is, or, or Tower Junction is no, uh, no cakewalk. Uh, Tower Fall is, is the fall, and I always have to discipline myself to say fall. It's not falls. Tower Falls, that's what we would think, but it's a fall, a waterfall, that is Tower Creek, and it, it the fall is right, what, maybe 100, 200 yards before that creek flows into the Yellowstone River. Uh, but, yeah, that's a, that's a good option. I, I do think that upper stretch of the Yellowstone in Hayden Valley is, uh, is very, very popular. And, and when people float the Yellowstone, generally... They start floating it around Gardner as it flows north. Yeah, so north. outside the park. So and that's, it's outside the park. That's the confusing thing, too. When you talk about the Yellowstone River, uh, we're talking today about the stretch that's in Yellowstone National Park, but it's a great fishery, you know, as it leaves the park and 
runs through Paradise Valley, through Livingston. Boy, there's some terrific fishing there as well. What else, Dave? What's another good place in the park? Another one is the Madison, certainly on the west side of, of Yellowstone National Park. The Madison begins at the confluence of the Firehole and the Gibbon Rivers at Madison Junction. And, and those rivers there are really creeks, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're, they're really They're called creeks. rivers, but they're, they're yeah, creeks. They're freestone yeah. creeks. And you can expect to catch 8 to 14-inch uh, trout, what they, they call the locals, uh, during the spring and summer. And then the runners start showing up in late August, but October is really, quote-unquote, tourist season. Yes, talking about the fish. About yeah. the fish, yep. yeah, because they show up. So the Hebgen Lake rainbows come up. Uh, the Madison, and those are, Steve and I have caught some yep. big, fat rainbows. Yeah. These are actually a strain of steelhead yeah, that were planted mm-hmm. in Hempgood yep. Lake back in the 50s. And now they actually, instead of spawning in the spring, like most rainbows, they come up the river in the fall. And so the Madison River is another one of those great fisheries, really lots is. of places to yep. fish. One of the things mm-hmm. I think that, and we've talked about um, before in previous podcasts, the Gallatin. The Gallatin really isn't a... Uh, a Yellowstone yeah. fishery, but mm-hmm. when you're going south on 191 from Bozeman, or at least four corners down to West Yellowstone, and, and as you drive and you get into the park, there's some stretches where you just think, this looks so great, but you get out and you fish it, and you catch nothing. I remember yeah. fishing one time with my brother, and uh, we eventually fished in Taylor Fork. Taylor Fork, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, we tried in the morning before we fished mm-hmm. in the afternoon. We tried some of those stretches yep. in Yellowstone National Park. I think it's I think it's the Gallatin flows. It is there's the Gallatin. There's a few stri- yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's just not. They looks great, but it's just there's not a lot of great runs. If and there's I, a hatch on, you may do okay. I but just haven't done great. I've stopped a few times over the years, and I one one day I stopped first time I ever fished it, and I get out in the first run. This is so typical of me. First run. I caught, I had on a Royal Trude, I caught an 18-inch rainbow. Whoa. I thought, this is going to be an amazing day. Well, it was an amazing moment because that's the only thing I caught. <laughs> and, yeah, other times they fished it. We, you and I have stopped and fished it. I don't know. I, I realize maybe we haven't hit it right, but it's one of those places that gets a lot of pressure. All right, another place in, in Yellowstone in the north part of the park is the Lamar River. Uh, this is an outstanding fishery, but I admit I've never fished it. I'm, we always have such a great time on the Yellowstone, and it gets a lot of pressure. And honestly, I, there's been a lot of people that have had bear encounters on the Lamar. Uh, it can happen anywhere, but it seems more frequent there. The other thing, too, is the joke goes, all it takes to make the Lamar muddy is for an elk to pee a few drops into it. I mean, good night. Light rain seems to turn that river chalky or brown, but, but that's an option to consider. What else in the northern part of the park, Dave? Another one is the Gardner River. And like the Madison, the Gardner has local trout that are in the 8 to 14-inch range. You can get cutthroats, rainbows, brown trout. But during October, the browns come up, and then you also get the fish that chase it. And there's usually less pressure on the Gardner yep. in October. The Gardner actually flows right into the town, Gardner. And there's different stretches of the Gardner River. And we've had years in which it was so phenomenal, we got exhausted from catching so much fish. We've had years where we didn't catch a single fish. Yeah. Or you caught one out of, you know, we yeah. thought we were going to catch mm-hmm. 100. We caught yep. one. 
Yeah, that year just, when they just they, depends. The guy at Parks Fly Shop said, "Yep, it's the worst year we've had in 25 years." Go oh, figure. Great. Yeah, go glad figure. we're here. Hey, another uh, another option in the north part of the park. Another well-known fishery is Slough Creek. Uh, S L O U G H looks like slough, but it's Slough Creek. Frankly, though, it's a long hike to get into the second meadow where the where the really good fishing begins. So. Honestly, there's too many other good options. I wouldn't even consider it unless you go back in on horseback. I did that a number of years ago with my dad and a friend of his who was a guide, and and the, the fishing was the fishing was good, uh, but that's that's the only way. Do I you remember do it. we went back on Slough Creek? I think we only yes. went back to the first meadow. Right. Yeah. And it was not good. No, and we didn't know what we were doing well, either. That's, that's, that's that was like in thing. 1981. We were college students, and we were. We camped in the park a night on the way to uh, uh, driving to, to college that year. So, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great Didn't place, well. but no, you gotta have gotta have a horse to get you back where it's good. Uh, let's see what else. Hey, the Firehole River. This this is a fabled river. Well, it's really a stream, but that fish is best in June and then in October, either before or after that. All the thermal water. Uh, flows into it um, you know that thermal water looks cool but it warms it up enough to make the trout lethargic after I don't know about mid-June and and really until you get into some of those cool days in October but it's a superb choice if you're if you like dry fly fishing and honestly Dave that's something I'd like to I'd like to do someday again I've, I've only gone a couple times but uh, yeah, I don't know that I've ever fished the fire hole. I have yeah. fished the Gibbon, which is yeah. our next yeah. fishery. The Gibbon River is a small river. Again, just like the fire hole, it's more of a stream than a river. Uh, the good news is that the stretch from Elk Park near Norris Geyser Basin to Madison Junction is right along the highway and you know makes for easy access it also makes for a lot of fly fishing pressure but frankly yeah. there's a lot of people who fish that don't know what they're doing so yeah. sometimes you can stop and just if there's a hatch yeah. on or just maybe streamers yeah. or something yeah that's catch a, a lot of fish that's a good point we're not trying to make fun of anybody or disparage anybody but yeah you know you'll, you'll see people there even kids with zebco spinning reels or yeah maybe people who are just learning to, to fish and and you might think, well, that's been fished hard, but now yeah, sometimes it, it hasn't been fished, maybe fished hard, but it's not fished well, and there's, there's fish there for the taking. You know, I also ought to mention Indian and Panther Creeks. By the way, all of this is weighted heavily towards the northern part of the park, uh, and I do think that's where some of the best fishing is, that there's some good stuff in the south, but frankly, we just haven't explored it much but these, if small creeks are your thing, these are great choices. And the way to get at them is at the Indian Creek Campground. Uh, these were these fished really well a couple decades ago when my family and I used to camp at uh, Indian Creek Campground, and you know we had a blast. We, you know, the trout are small, they're but they're abundant. I mean, little brookies, and I kind of think we caught some rainbows and browns, but. Uh, both creeks join the Gardner now, actually the upper Gardner River, because then there's a fall or a falls that uh, uh, you drive right by on the highway, and so that kind of separates the upper from the lower. But uh, yeah, if, if small streams are your thing, and uh, you're, you're careful, uh, because it's, it's like anywhere in the park, it's grizzly country. Yep, for sure. Uh, and it's it seems kind of remote when you're back there, but it's it's good. Another fishery, actually two fisheries, Lewis Lake and River. Again, 
this is area which Steve and I have absolutely no experience, so we have no business really talking about this. <laughs> but if you're staying near Old Faithful or in the southern part of the park, mm-hmm. you may you want to try it. Um, we've heard that the inlet and the outlet are probably yeah. the most productive mm-hmm. places to fish in the Lewis Lake. And that's how it is, obviously, with any lake. Those uh, inlets and outlets tend to be some of the best places to catch fish. So I, I, it's another place to try. Yeah, it is. And if you're really into lake fishing, which we really haven't done much at all in Yellowstone because there's so many good rivers and streams, uh, Yellowstone Lake, uh, if you try to fish Yellowstone Lake and you're trying to fish it you know, on shore, it's going to fish best early in the season. Uh, that is the, the four weeks or so after it opens on June 15th. Uh, the fish are closer to shore, and you can try some of the sheltered bays as well as the shore near the inlet streams and the uh, outlet to the Yellowstone River. Again, you have to watch to make sure where things are uh, uh, posted because once it leaves uh, the, you know, the, the lake and becomes the, the Yellowstone River again, uh, a lot of restrictions. Uh, and if you do catch fish, uh, keep in mind that any lake trout that you might get, probably not going to catch a lake trout right along the shore when you're fly fishing, but hey, you never know. Uh, but if you do, you have to keep those uh, because uh, they're, they were planted. They're trying to get rid of lake trout. Yeah, invasive species. Yep. Yeah, they really are. I forget are. how somebody inadvertently or actually strategically dumped a bunch of lake yeah, trout in there, know, and they I actually just flourished story. and yep. just have killed off all the, um, yep. or many of the, uh, the cutthroats. Yep. Well, here's another question, Dave. Do I need bear spray? Yes, absolutely. Purchase it outside the park, or you can even rent it at some locations in Yellowstone National Park. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know about that, but one of our listeners uh, you know, emailed us, and I think we had written something about that in a blog post and said, hey, you can actually rent that now in the park, and that's nice. I did not know that. Yeah, because I mean that stuff is like fifty bucks at least. Yeah, fifty, fifty-nine, yeah. something like that. Yeah. I think also as while we're on this topic, I do think if you're in the park, if you can at all, avoid fly fishing alone. And there's just so much risk there, uh, and make noise if you're fishing, especially where visibility is limited. Talk loudly or sing, you know, scream yeah. "Whoa, mm-hmm. bear!" or whatever. Yeah. You know, sing Freebird or... You may, yeah, you may or, uh, feel silly, yeah. but... Uh, or Sweet Home Alabama. That's right, yeah. that's Yeah, they've done studies that suggest that that <laughs> song drives bears crazy. They go running back to... Well, not really. Okay, um, one, more, one more question people ask. What fly shop should I use for Intel or if I want to hire a guide? And I already mentioned in Gardner, there's Parks Fly Shop. Uh, Richard Parks, the, the owner, still... Where the founder still owns that fly shop. Uh, he is the author of Fishing in Yellowstone National Parks. So you might want to get his book. You can get that on Amazon or pick up a signed copy in his fly shop. Uh, he mentions over 100 rivers and lakes to fish. Dave, maybe that's why we like Yellowstone, because you could spend your life in the park and not fish yeah, everything. Absolutely. Yep. And there's so many back places we've not even talked about. No. Uh, we... Uh, had a guide from Parks Fly Shop several years ago, and he tried to get us to go to those beaver ponds. He said yeah, it's about a two mm-hmm. or three hour hike, but he said you're fishing, uh, I think, streamers and also a sink tip. Yeah, and you can mm-hmm. get some really big fish out yeah. of there. But we've never, never done that. There's just yeah. so many places oh, to know. fish there. There really are. 
How about uh, if, if you're over in West Yellowstone, Dave? So the big recommend? fly shop, well, there's a couple, and they're all good. So yeah. we're not panning anyone. The one we go to typically is Blue Ribbon Flies, originally founded by Craig Matthews, who has written so many books. Yep. Um, I think about his book on flies from Yel West Yellowstone. The one I keep purchasing is the the Olive Serendipity, oh, yeah. which he talks about, which is a, an emerger. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't own it anymore. There's also Jacqueline's Fly Shop. You do, we, we have seen, Craig's in there a lot. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, I think we've seen him every time we've been in. Yeah, recently. he holds court. Yeah. He's, he's back there tying yeah. a fly or something. People come in. I remember the time we were there and he talked about uh, finding in, in Hebgen Lake, they found a fish with a ground squirrel in its stomach yeah unbelievable a ground squirrel yeah. <laughs> yeah big old brown you know oh man so uh, so there's also other good shops uh there's bud lily's trout shop is now called big sky anglers yeah. we hear that's a great shop as well so you mentioned jacklin's then i interrupted you but yeah, yeah that, we want to highlight that too because bob jacklin's another legendary fly is he fisher. still alive yeah as, as of right as now I know. I yeah, yeah he's uh, maybe Maybe early, mid-70s, I'm guessing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. All right, so that's a little introduction to uh, fly fishing in Yellowstone National Park. Now, what we haven't had time to talk about are the water, so we're, we're going to do that in another podcast, so uh, you'll want to listen to that as well. But, but uh, before you ever get out on the water, there's a lot of other uh, issues you have to think about. All right, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Here's a comment from Eric, the kingfisher, he calls himself. His comment is on our article on fly fishing's critical moment. And we were talking about that moment between hooking a fish and getting the line tight. And this is what Eric writes. He said, you're right. More of my fish have been broken off between the set and getting the line on the reel than at any other time. The fish is at its hottest and it's not worth trying to get an average trout on the reel. Focus on proper tension with the line hand for a few minutes before messing around getting the fish on the reel, if you must. The danger really increases with fast or big game like bonefish and tarpon. The line whips around and can wrap around your reel or body parts to utter devastation. I tell my beginning friends to look at the reel and line rather than the fish to make sure you're clear of snags. Spreading your line and rod hands apart is helpful here. There's plenty of time to look at the fish tear through the water later. I suppose this counts for steelhead and salmon, too. That is a great Man, comment. That really is important. Well, we, we've seen, we have friends who, uh, you know, rodeo friends, and, and they've lost an index finger because they're, they're calf ropers, and, you know, the, the rope gets wrapped around their index finger, and the calf takes off. And Well, think about that. That could happen with... Uh, fly line which is a lot finer a lot tighter and and you know all it takes is a big a big steelhead or salmon or bonefish or something to well you could really really uh be in trouble couldn't yeah, you but most often it, you know the line will at the tip it will break but if it yeah, doesn't i mean yeah i mean that's yeah yep, for sure that's right well, our final segment in today's podcast is Hook Set. This is where we set the proverbial hook and wrap up our podcast by sharing a quote that we reflect on for a few minutes. Today's quote comes from Craig Matthews of West Yellowstone, Montana. It's his response to a question by Chester Allen, author of the book Runners, on whether fly fishers should get a guide when fishing for the trout that run up the rivers to spawn or that lurk be below the spawn beds. And this is what Chester says. 
Anyone coming to fish runners should get a guide. It will save many hours of exploring unproductive water. Experienced guides know the best places, flies, and techniques to save anglers countless hours of flailing unproductive water with the wrong flies and improper techniques. Wow, that's so true. We've experienced yeah. that firsthand. Oh, I know it. And that's it. We Believe me, I can still learn a lot from a guide, and I do. But just for the intel, you know, that's, that's worth the price, just for the intel alone. And if you're going to um, spend all the money to go to Yellowstone National Park or to the West, you may as well spend the extra 500 bucks and have a guide, don't you yeah, think? Yep, very true. Well, that'll do it for today. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys on a River. For the love of fishing. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do this again. Oh, gosh, that's funny. (laughs) For the love of not just fishing, Dave. All right. All right, that'll do it for today. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys on a River. For the love of fly fishing.